0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. Well, hey, a uh, huge uh, good afternoon to you, just hit 12. And uh, as Laura had said this morning, uh, that the clocks went back a little bit or did they go forward? Which one did they actually go? Somebody want to help me out? Do you know? They went back. They went forward. Yes. Instead of a verbal response, all I got was arms moving back and forth. But what I do know, guys, the important thing is that you lost an hour's sleep, and uh, and so we are uh, even more grateful than usual uh, that you've decided to be part of church online today, uh, wherever you are watching from, engaging from. We're really grateful. Um, That you've taken the time. Today uh, is uh, Palm Sunday, also known as Passion Sunday, which is ultimately the marking of the week leading up to the death, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and ultimately, uh, long story short, the ascension at some point of Jesus uh, to go back to the Father in heaven. Uh, This is is a significant week. Jesus, uh, the very foundation of what it is to be a Christian, the confession with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead hinges on this very week. You know, um, we're going to, in a few minutes, we're going to jump to Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read 11 verses there of this account uh, beginning this week where Jesus enters Jerusalem, Mark 11. One day, eleven. The Bible says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say the Lord needs it, and he'll send it back here shortly." They went back. They went and found the colt outside in the street, tied to a doorway. who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. You know, if you and I were having a conversation and uh, we were talking about a person uh, that you know, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a potential suitor, uh, a deity, Maybe it's uh, your spouse, maybe it's a work colleague, maybe it's somebody who is part of our church, maybe just anybody that uh, you know, that maybe I know a little bit of, but not so much, or maybe I don't know anything of, or, or the other way around, I know them and you don't. And the question was, what are they like? Some things would some things would come to your mind you would you begin to explain what they're like, "Oh they're really smart or they're really generous or they're really kind," or oh, well, I suppose they're they're all right like he's a bit cold at, at times, or maybe you would have a remark about them that kind of helps illustrate what they're like for some people, perhaps uh, le- the less said the better, and that in and of itself, that description in and of itself would would begin to paint a picture of what that other person's like. Now, obviously, as Christians, all of our talk would be kind. It would be generous. It would, it would be encouraging. It would be uplifting. It would be all of the above, all of those adjectives to describe a wonderful human being created by God. But regardless of what it is that you said, what you said would help paint a picture of the person in which we're talking about But if you were asked the question today, what is Jesus like? I wonder how you would respond. I wonder if you would say he's kind, or he's gentle, or he's sensitive, or he is authoritative, or he is scurry, or what would be the words that you would use in which to describe him? See, the very foundation of following Jesus of the Christian faith is that we would believe that Jesus is Lord. We would confess that with our mouth and we would believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Over these couple of weeks, Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're coming around these three words. This is Jesus helping us understand in a greater way who he is. See, a simply kind uh, or, or, or generous or smart or Uh, sophisticated teacher isn't enough for you and I. That's not worth us giving our whole lives to. But understanding more of who he is, all of the above in the most incredible way, and actually it is all of those things that help us understand who he is in a deep and intimate way. But understanding the very foundation of who he is allows us then to have the confidence to give him everything. The first thing that Mark 11 shows us about Jesus is this, that Jesus is Lord. Mark 11 verse 2 says, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. Firstly, Jesus tells his disciples to go and get him a colt. A colt is a donkey. And I wonder what a donkey has to tell us about the Lordship of Jesus. See, a, a colt is a donkey, a young male under four years old, but not only a colt that is under four years old, a young donkey, but one actually the Bible specifically says that no one has ever ridden it. See, to do that is, is to is to break it in like a new pair of shoes or, or football boots or something like that. But, or Dr. Martin's more specifically, that's maybe a bit more relevant to us. Uh, In the same way, riding a colt in the early stages is it's breaking in period. You're It's learning what it's like to carry a burden. Now, we, we can just understand that this colt is young or we can dig a little bit deeper in order to understand what this colt, what this young donkey has to tell us about the Lordship of Jesus. See, colts were stubborn animals. Donkeys are stubborn animals still today. That hasn't changed. They don't really do what they're told. You say, go this way, they decide to go that way. They stand still for hours helping us understand a little bit of a picture of the lordship, of the authority that Jesus carries. Not just that, but when the disciples actually go to get this colt, he, he tells them, if anyone's there, just tell them the Lord needs it. And so they go, this, this colt is tied up in a doorway and they go and they take it and people ask, hey, hey, what are you doing there? What are you doing with that donkey? What are you doing with that colt? And they simply reply, the Lord needs it and walk away. Now that will come in handy the next time that you see a Porsche, the next time that you see a Lamborghini, the next time that you see one of those like very few McLarens driving up the Upper Newton Road, you'll be able to stop that vehicle in its tracks and say, the Lord needs it and away you go. Now I'm just kidding. But you can understand the level of authority, the level of even just face value or the audacity that these disciples have in going to say, hey, this, uh, the Lord needs this Cold. You know, we can, we can settle there and maybe grasp a little bit of his authority, but probably more of the audacity. But if we dig even deeper again, we see that in the Roman world at this time, a conquering war hero would have returned on a donkey. And so Jesus was making a huge statement on this Palm Sunday of his lordship of his kingship, of, his, of the, the sign of victory that was coming. As he entered Jerusalem on a donkey, he rode in Jerusalem on this colt, which was a huge attention getter. All eyes would have been on Jesus as the people began to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is the king. We can settle there, we can dig just a little bit, tiny bit more deeper. See, one of the prerogatives in the Roman world of a king was that they could commandeer, take possession of a beast of burden when they needed it. A beast of burden that has never been ridden. Remember Jesus said, you're gonna find a colt there that no one has ever ridden. When they asked, what are you doing? The disciples replied, the Lord needs it. Jesus, through his actions, is communicating his lordship and communicating his kingship. Jesus is Lord. So why are you why are you saying this? What, what does this mean? Well, someone once said that if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. See, this is beginning to show us a, a picture of who he is and the reality for any person, whether or not they are following Jesus Christ right now, whether or not you know Jesus personally, whether or not you've experienced him for yourself, the future of, of our interaction with Jesus is described in Romans 14, 11. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. To who? As surely as I live, says the Lord, This is the Lord actually saying these words. Every knee will bow to him. Every tongue will confess his lordship. Every person will submit to Jesus as their Lord. So hey, maybe today is a good day again for you to Commit to Jesus as your Lord, not just as a saviour, not just as a friend, not just as a helper, not just as a provider, not just as someone who you're close with and intimate with, not someone as who, whom you can just ask of, but someone whom you want to submit to as Lord. Maybe today's a good day to declare in your heart and with your mouth that Jesus, you're Lord of my career, you're Lord of my kids, you're Lord of my time, you're Lord of my possessions, you're Lord of my money, you're Lord of my relationships, you're Lord of my mouth, you're Lord of my mind, my body, my everything. Today is a good day to declare that Jesus is Lord over your life. You know, what a donkey has to tell us about Jesus is that he's Lord But let me just add on to that, that Jesus uses a donkey to reveal his lordship. Regardless of whether you think highly of yourself or you think lowly of yourself, whether you've got the most impeccable self-esteem that's almost off the scale, or whether you've got quite low self-esteem. If Jesus can use a donkey to reveal his lordship, I guarantee you that Jesus can use you to reveal his lordship that Jesus can use the skills that you have, the ability that you have, the qualities that you have, the attributes that you have. Well, I don't have much. I guarantee you that you have more than a donkey that's under four years old. Maybe you're still doubting yourself, but a smile Jesus can use, a a wave Jesus can use, an elbow pump Jesus can use, your words Jesus can use, all to reveal his lordship. The second thing we see in Mark 11 and specifically in this account, in Mark's account, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. See, this entran- entrance to Jerusalem is in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And Mark is, you'll be happy to know today at Church Online, is Mark is the most brief account of this moment of Jesus entering Jerusalem. See, one third of the gospel of Mark is dedicated to the final week of Jesus's earthly life. Half of the gospel of John is dedicated to the final week of Jesus's earthly life. Why? Because everything points to Jerusalem. Everything points to this week where the crucifixion of Jesus would take place, where the resurrection of Jesus would take place and ultimately the ascension of Jesus would take place. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. All of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah that is to come hinge on this week. God's redeeming promises to the entire humanity hinge on this week. See, to fulfill something is to complete something. To do what you agreed or stated that you would do or have it done. When Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he's fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. There's a patriarchal blessing in Genesis 49, 8 to 12. It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Think of this language. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, Who dares to rise him? The scepter, which speaks of royalty, will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience, remember those verses in Romans a few minutes ago, the obedience of the nations shall be his, right? From this point on, the Messiah that is to come is understood to be the Lion of Judah. Verse 11, get this, get this, get this. Remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. It's okay, like to be excited about simple Bible things right now. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine. His teeth will be whiter than milk. He will tether, which means attach his donkey to a vine. We read in Mark 11, verse one, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. Okay, the village ahead of them was Bethpage. What does Bethpage mean? Well, Bethpage is the first of the two described where he was to go to get his donkey. Bethpage means house of unriped figs, pointing to a vine. The colt is tied in a village that is descriptive of a house of unriped figs. He will tether his donkey to a vine. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes, pointing to a future hope, our future hope, our reality that you and I, as a result of what he was about to do, would be washed in his blood. Yes, that might not be the, the most understandable language if you're new to church, but ultimately what Jesus would do on the cross because of his crucifixion, because of his blood that was poured out for you and I, we are now washed white as snow, spotless before God, not not being right with God in our own ability, not having a righteousness of our own, but having a righteousness that comes from him. We We are made right with God, Because of him, Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Rejoice, your king comes to you on a donkey. See, the rejoice part is important for us because the next village was called Bethany. And Bethany means house of sorrow. See, Jesus, our righteous and victorious, humble king, had to go through the house of sorrow in order that humanity would experience joy. Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. He went through the house of sorrow in order that you and i today might receive his joy he went through the pain for you and i so that yes we experience sorrow yes we experience hope uh, we experience pain but the reality of it is is that we always have a future hope because of what he has done because of the sorrow that he went through jesus is the fulfillment of the word of god well what do do what does this mean for me See, this righteous and victorious king has given you a level of righteousness being made right with God that you and I would never attain in a gazillion lifetimes. Because of Jesus being the fulfillment of the word of God, you have received the grace of God. See, because, of Je- because Jesus is the fulfillment of God, he is the grace of God. He is the mercy of God. He is the kindness of God. We, he is everything you and I could possibly ever need. Like those verses in 1 Peter, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness because of Jesus. It is found in him. This is Jesus. The final thing, maybe these guys worship team wanna join us and we're gonna help, help us respond to God this morning or this afternoon. The final thing that we understand on this Palm Sunday from these verses is that Jesus is worthy to be praised. See, the fact that he's the fulfillment of the word of God allows us to understand in Hebrews 4.16 that we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we receive his mercy and we find grace to help us when we need it most. But Jesus, as a result of that, Jesus is worthy to be praised. See, the strangest thing, I don't know, maybe if you've read all of the, kind of accounts of Jesus entering Jerusalem in all four Gospels. But the strangest thing about Mark's account is that it is an absolute anticlimax. You know one of those movies that you watch on like Amazon Prime or you kind of have found it somewhere on Netflix and you're kind of or it's been advertised on Sky Atlantic and then you you watch it and you're like, what was that? I'm not getting those couple of hours back. Well not that Mark's account is all the way there but In some accounts, Jesus enters the temple, flips tables, drives people out, makes statements. But in in Mark's account, we read in verse 11 of Mark 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. What happened to the tables, Jesus? What, what happened to the action? What happened to the like the juicy stuff? What happened to like you rocking in as this king, righteous and victorious people, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the king. Then you go into the temple, look around and go back to the previous village. Feels like a, an anticlimax. climax. Bible says that he looked around at everything in the temple. The altar, the sacrifices. See, the temple replaced the tabernacle. In 586 AD, Isaiah prophesied that the glory of God would leave the temple. But in this very moment, the glory of God returns to the temple. In this very moment, Mark's less detailed, much more brief account. Jesus is a living prophecy. In John 1:14. Bible says the word became flesh and made his dwelling, his dwelling, his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That phrase made his dwelling among us or other other translations might say dwelt among us can be understood as he tabernacled among us in the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies, the very intimate presence of God in which only the priest could go on behalf of the people. See, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the Holy of Holies. Jesus is the very presence of God. Jesus is the temple and Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. Let me take it one step further. Jesus is the glory of God. That Palm Sunday, the people cried out Hosanna, meaning Lord, save us now. They spread palm branches, uh, which were symbols of victory. And I want to let you know today that the victorious King has come to save. This week, he has come to save a lost, broken, broken, hopeless humanity. And so Jesus is worthy to be praised, why? Because Jesus is the King of glory, the very presence of God. In Romans 8, 39, the Bible says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord the love of God is revealed in Jesus this Palm Sunday is about anything so the person of Jesus expresses the love of God you? that through him we receive the love of God and Jesus is worthy to be praised see this is Jesus the King of glory And so Father every device Lord God that is connected to these words and these moments I pray that they would experience you today they would experience your love today that each person would Submit to your lordship and your kingship today, Lord. Now we would worship you. We would praise you with our lives, Lord. Whether we feel weak and beaten, we thank you that we have a righteous and victorious king. Or whether we feel strong and firm, we thank you that you are the conquering war hero. And we revel in your victory, Lord. For those of us, Lord God, who are listening to these words, those people who maybe don't yet know you, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, that you would allow them to experience your tangible love, your tangible kindness, your beauty, your majesty, your glory. Amen. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.